Wonderful. Hi, I'm Steve. You might have gathered that bit. And I'm one of the leaders in church. And it's great to be here today. And I really want to welcome everyone, especially if you're fairly new to church or even if this is your first time in church here. We've been doing a summer series on the New Testament book of Philippians and thinking about one of its themes, which is about rejoice. Really? That's quite difficult sometimes when we struggle, isn't it, to rejoice. But we've been kind of looking at some thoughts that might help us to rejoice really through the things that we've been finding out. And my subject this morning is about giving to others. A couple of weeks ago, um, uh, Sue and I managed to spend a weekend together in Cornwall and uh, walking along the coastal path and actually she's been away for the last two months so that was really good life has been quite odd difficult at times but as we were walking along I said to her tell me about some of the times that you have seen God move what has God done obviously I knew some of them but um, it's just good to remind ourselves and as we were reminding ourselves of some of those things our hearts just were encouraged and we began to rejoice and our mood was changed and um, so she told me one of this story about giving to others, which is my topic today. Is it Sue writing this? Okay. <clears throat> Shortly after being healed from ME, I was keen to make up for lost time with my children. After nine months of not being able to take them places, I prayed that God would enable me to arrange something really special and memorable. I noticed that there was a children's puppet show that was coming Saturday morning at the Old Vic, and I managed to get tickets for it. Then I asked the kids what they'd like to eat afterwards. They said they'd like a full English breakfast followed by strawberries. So, she says, I went to Tesco and got the ingredients, but there were no strawberries left. Well, it was February, and then back in that kind of day, you couldn't guarantee that you'd get strawberries in February. So, she says, I resigned myself to the fact that I couldn't get those. Isn't that funny? Anyway, I couldn't get them, and besides, she thought, well, you know, they're going to a puppet show, they're having this full English breakfast, it'll be fine. Anyway, so, but, but when the Saturday came, Jean Smith, who some of you will remember, a lovely, dear, godly lady who died just before COVID, she knocked at our door and she said she'd bumped into a lady that she hadn't seen for a while who had given Jean a present to give to us. Apparently, the lady said Steve and Sue were really kind to me when I needed some help once. So um, I want them to have these. Then Jean produced the lady's gift to us. It was a punnet of strawberries. On that particular day, when we had asked for it, remarkable. Remarkable. We couldn't remember what we'd done for the lady, to be honest. But we were so grateful to her and, of course, to God for the strawberries. Just what we wanted when we wanted it. Perhaps, Sue says, it's one of the most touching answers to prayer that she'd ever had. Because it showed that God was aware even of the small things in life. 
not just our needs, but our desires too. It was like God was saying, I want you and your kids to make up for lost time just as much, just as much as you do. So, so let's see what Paul has to say about giving to others. Reading Philippians 4, 10 to 23. If you want to follow it, it's probably not a bad idea because I'm going to talk a bit on that. Okay. Always something with technology, isn't it? Right. Um, So, the passage is actually talking about finance. But I'm going to think about giving in a broader sense, um, in terms of time, giving our time serving people, our talents, and our treasure, our money, if you like. The background is probably AD 61, and the Apostle Paul is writing from prison to the church in Philippi. And, And one of the main reasons why he's writing this letter to the Philippians is just to thank them for the gift that they have given him while he was in prison. And... When I read this passage, sometimes I've got a bit confused whether Paul is really in need or not in need, because sometimes he says he isn't, and yet he got something that he felt was good. So I wonder what you think about the passage. Let's read Philippians 4.10. Paul says, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you were able to renew your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying because I'm in need, for I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do this all through him who gives me strength. Yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, sorry, this is, um, how do I do this? Excuse me. Anyway, let's read it from here, because I can't read it from there. Um, It's always receiving, except um, for you only. For even when... No, that's very kind, that's very kind. I'm I'm good, actually. Um, Except for you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, um, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. Not that I desire your gifts. What I desire is to be more, that more be credited to your account. I have received full payment and have more than enough. I am amply supplied now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. They are a fragrant offering an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And my God will meet all your needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen.
Uh, recently, I went to the barbers to get my hair cut, because normally Sue does it, but I had to go to the barbers. And, and I think he did a great job. Somehow we talked about uh, food bank, and um, the barber said to me, it's good to help others out, but you need to look after yourself. And I kind of thought that felt a bit like a handy clause, get-out clause on helping people out, rather than to avoid burnout. And so I said something like, well, different people would put this balance of helping others and looking after yourselves in different places. And I think he said that there was, he said something like this, he said, there's no right or wrong, it's up to the individual to decide where that balance is. At this point, I hesitated to mention Jesus saying about loving your neighbour as yourself. Uh, maybe it was fear of confrontation, or was it that the barber had a razor in his hand? I well remember going to an Italian barber and talking about how Italy were doing really badly in the football. And he animated started talking to me and I ended up with a cut on the back of my neck. So you do have to be a bit careful what you're doing. But, you know, why should we um, give to others? My points today are uh, simply need. As we give, there's a sense of well-being that comes to us. And pain or gain is my third point. So need. Is Paul in need or not? It seems a bit confusing. He seems incredibly grateful for the gift in verse 11. But he says he doesn't need it. But then he does seem to require financial or material support, doesn't he? And in verse 18 he says, I'm amply supplied now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. But it also seems that, that Jesus would sustain him. If, if they'd not given to him. Obviously the need in the world is enormous. That's just one side from Somalia. We've heard about things to pray for in our community. There are huge needs, aren't there? There are wars all over the place, refugees. We talked about the Kintsugi group. There's mental health issues that many of us struggle with. And then loneliness, is it? One in four people live on their own. Huge needs. Brokenness of our society and family. And Jesus calls us to love God, but also to love our neighbour as ourselves. This isn't, it doesn't mean neighbour by the person next door, but you should love them, but also in our community. And actually we live in a global village these days. So there is a huge need and a calling of Christians to be involved. Then there's well-being, my second point. There is a blessing to others and to ourselves as we give. Paul received the gift in verse 11. He said he greatly rejoiced. It was a blessing to him. And um, like my opening story about strawberries, we rejoiced eating our strawberries. I can tell you, for somebody giving that to us. And, you know, studies have shown that um, it's really good for our well-being to give to others. Jesus himself said, it's more blessed to give than receive. But more than strawberries, 
There was a time when Jean Smith was in my home group and we often gave lifts to Jean. In return, she did our ironing while Sue was, was unwell and that helped build relationship and community. It helped Jean in the sense of loneliness after the loss of her husband. It built community. And for Paul, this giving and receiving of gifts built community between him and the Philippians. In verse 14, it says, It was good to share in my troubles. Paul really appreciated. That word share is the word kanoia which means about Christian community and fellowship. There is an interactional relationship. So as we give, there is relationship that is built. We need each other, don't we? We can't do stuff. We can't do life on our own. We're not meant to do life on our own. We're meant to be in community. So I think there's a well-being slide. Yeah. So just picking off a well-being slide off the internet talks about five ways to help our well-being. And there we've got give to the right there. And we've got connect, community, connecting with people. I won't explain the other ones. You have to come along to the course to find out. And um, well, so the next point, pain or gain. You know, giving to others makes us feel good, doesn't it? But actually, we're called to much more than that. We're called to give sacrificially. And that is painful, isn't it? So why do we give to others? Now, um, I think the gift that the um, Philippians gave was probably quite sacrificial to them. And certainly it had been six years earlier when Paul says in 2 Corinthians 6 that when he talks about the Macedonian churches, which Philippi would have been, sorry, 2 Corinthians 8, which the Philippians would have been one. And reading from the 2 Corinthians 8 slide for that. Lovely. Um, And now, brothers and sisters, I want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches In the midst of every severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability, entirely on their own. They urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. And they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves first of all to the Lord and then by the will of God also to us. And that kind of is the, that's the pattern really for Christians is to be giving sacrificially. And that that is hard. It's painful. And in that place, you know, we, sometimes we, We question our motives. Why are we doing this? It should, of course, be first of all to the Lord, like the Macedonian churches. As Paul says in verse 20, to God the Father be glory forever and ever. But also when we're in that moment, that that pain, that difficulty of service, when we're giving, we 
we ask, how are we giving? Are we giving in our own strength? Or are we calling on God to help us? So as Paul says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. It's sometimes it's in that place of pain. It's in that place of service that actually we reach the end of ourselves. And we have to cry out to God to, for him to help us and to strengthen us. And it's in that place of our, where we're at the end that we are transformed to be more like Jesus. And so as we go through, that is a, so giving to others is a place of transformation for us, or can be. And there is great gain in being more like Jesus, both in this life and in the life to come. I could give you lots of verses, but that's another sermon. So, we'll, but there is that transformation as we give. The question really for many of us, and for me, as I was doing this talk, as I'm preparing, was, are we too comfortable in our giving? Or, is it, or do we actually hit that point where it's hard? Does it cause us pain or not? Could we be giving more? Some people give too much, of course. So transformation. Another reason for giving to others is there is reward. It's not lost. Paul says in verse 17, not that I desire your gifts, but that what I desire is that more will be credited to your account. The gifts are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. You see, as they gave to Paul, God was crediting that to their account, if it's done in the right motives, etc., etc., God is crediting; it is not lost. So the question to me is: What is credited to my account? What treasure do I have in heaven? Are we offering fragrant offerings, pleasing to God? The thing is, Paul is absolutely sure you can't outgive God. So as we're giving to others, God will return to us. And he says, my God will meet all your needs according to his riches in glory. His riches in glory. It's not that he gives out of his riches in glory, just a few pennies. But according to his riches, there is a generosity in God God is no man's debtor, it says in Galatians 6. As we give to him, he will provide our needs. Not necessarily our wants, of course, but occasionally strawberries. <laughs> and I want to end this with a short story that illustrates this wonderful verse that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Wherever you are today, whatever situation, as we engage with Jesus, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It's from the late Chrissy Chapman book, The Night the Angels Came. A remarkable book of miracles, to be sure, but also struggles in Burundi at the time of the genocide with neighbouring Rwanda. 
she writes, one morning we went through our usual routine of handing out the cups of porridge, uh, a sort of maize ground into flour, to the very young children in the refugee camp. They, they made a priority to the very young children. When we came to the end of the line, we started clearing up and I discovered a little bit of food left at the bottom of one of our bins. I started looking around and saw a very old man sitting cross-legged in the dirt. I felt there was something about him. He was holding an empty cup and seemed to be praying. My friend and I went to sit with him to find out his story. The old man, stooped down with age and suffering, proceeded to tell us his story. He said he was 84 years of age. He'd walked from an area up in the mountains, about 20 kilometres away. It had taken him five days to reach the camp. He tearfully told us his wife and all of his five children and their families had been killed. And his house had been destroyed. He had somehow miraculously escaped. He had lost everything. All he had were the clothes on his back. I went and scraped the bottom of the bin to give him a cup of porridge. As I handed this to him, he looked at me and said, Madam Missionary, I never realised that Jesus was all I needed until Jesus was all I had. That phrase again, Madam Missionary, I never realised that Jesus was all I needed until Jesus was all I had. At that moment, it struck me that this old man was so much, that old man's God was so much bigger than my God. I was provoked that day and have been ever since to ask myself, how big is my God? Is our God too small? There is so much more of God than we are, that we are yet to know and experience. Paul writes that he could do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And Paul is convinced that as we give to God, he will supply all our needs according to his riches in glory. Such is God's generosity and grace towards us. So Paul... Um, Paul is absolutely convinced that he wants to press into more of God because he is convinced that there is more and that God wanting to give and touch us where we are in our situation that we can be people who can channel him to other people. Paul writes as like a summary of Philippians might be this from Philippians 3. One thing I do and I'm going to end with this. One thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize which God has called me heavenwards in Christ Jesus. Do you get that sense of straining, that pressing because he knows Jesus and he knows that there is a reward in heaven. He knows that what he does for Jesus is never lost. And so he's straining forward. There is so much more. Our God is our God too small. Let's pray.
Thank you, Lord, that we can come to you as we are. You're not a God who wags a finger, but welcomes us with open arms. A God of generous love, overlooking our failings. And wanting to come alongside us. To help us. Help us to be people who give. Help us Lord. Would you touch us. Afresh. With your. Loving presence. That we would know Jesus. And we would know your strength to give away. Amen.